in this episode. I, you know, we've talked deeply about the movie. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to think about. Some yeah. of it may be overthinking. But <laughs> probably a lot of it, man. I think the Blaine, yeah, his, his smile is like these these cats here. It was all the absinthe, man. We, we in between the shows, we're just chugging absinthe, and Blaine's lighting it on fire. And yeah, I've even gone downstairs. But. <laughs> Welcome. You're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, Episode Twenty Two, Part Two. With guest Blaine Cook discussing Cemetery Man. So, part two, Blaine Cook, will, where we'll be discussing uh, the movie that he picked, Cemetery Man, which I originally saw in the early 90s, I think, 94, 95. It's also known as, what is it, Della Morte, Della More? Yes. And it's about two cemetery workers who stop the dead from coming to life while looking for love in all the wrong places. It's directed <laughs> by uh, uh, Mikili Soevi. There's a bunch of names here I can't pronounce. Who also act, the, the director actually acted in a bunch of Dario Argento films, like small parts, like Demons and Phenomena and, and um, one or two other ones. House by the Cemetery, I think. Or is that Fulci? Or City of the Living Dead or something like that. Uh, it's written by Tiziano or Tiziano I don't know. He's really know mad right now. Names. He's listening to the show and he's just yeah, furious. He's, furious. he's like, bro, you, you've hacked it. Yeah. Written, written by <laughs> Tiziano and yeah. uh, starring Rupert Everett, England's answer to Bruce Campbell. At least that's what I kind of picked up on. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that, yeah. That long face, the dark hair, kind of handsome. Yeah. So handsome, but can also act kind of crazy. You know, Jeremiah, you've never seen this before, right? No. Blaine, why did you why did you pick this one? What what is it that you liked about uh, Cemetery Man? Well, when Jeremiah was you know talking about watching these uh, short things on YouTube, you know sometimes these things will I'll get it in the feed of the YouTube. It's like you know five horror movies that you need to see or five that whatever, and it was mm-hmm. like that was one that came up Cemetery Man, and, and I'd never heard of it before. Um, oh, so you know when I find one like that, it's like well, can I watch it for for free on YouTube? Yeah. It. It's like, oh god, this is this is brilliant, you know. And I had, and I didn't know anything about it. I just assumed from watching it that it was more an early '80s mm-hmm. uh, type of type of a deal. And it wasn't until you know, um, you know, I was talking to you about doing this that you know I looked into it. You know, it was like you know, it was from '94, and it was you know kind of supposed to be kind of a bit comedic. And uh, mm-hmm. but I'd come to drawn you know a lot of the conclusions before I read all that other all the other post post spoiler stuff you know about you know the main actor um we played uh francesco um uh delamore um Mm -hmm. the main guy that worked at the uh at the cemetery with his uh sidekick um nagi yeah yeah he was awesome (laughs) yeah like a uh a curly yeah yeah like a curly meets the hunchback of notre dame quasimodo it's kind of like like a buddy a buddy movie you know like what they one of those things that people say now you know kind of like a a, a buddy movie yeah yeah I, I watched it i just thought god this is uh, this is really great i don't know how i how i missed it you know uh, a lot of people haven't heard of this i never hear anybody talking about this so when you brought it up i was i was a little surprised i i had seen it like i said in the, in the 90s 
Um, my dad and I watched it together and he really liked it. I remember that. And I, and I liked it. My dad liked it for, uh, two different reasons than what I did, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it is a, I, I, I like this movie, but Jeremiah, you haven't seen it before. You didn't know anything about it. What'd you think of it? What did I think of it? Like the whole thing or like in my first well, impression? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just your like. Yeah, my first impression, impression man. You know, I, I'm like the music uh, was it was fitting. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it wasn't and it yeah, wasn't until later. I felt like l- later on in the film that there were there were a couple of songs. And I wish I had those songs, the track number, like for the soundtrack to mm-hmm. tell you which one it was, because it was just I felt like it got more dynamic. Like it, it was really simple. In the beginning, kind of that really strong, dun, 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 but mm-hmm. it, it, it was foreboding. You know what I mean? Like it had an intense sound that gave a real good feel to what you were uh, what you were dealing with. It was you can tell right away kind of what you're in for, mm-hmm. you know, because of the, the way that it's uh, structured, the way that um, the props, which were mad props to them, by the way. Uh, I thought that that was really I thought, it, especially for being low budget. I thought it was amazing. I thought they did a really good job. The the home, they, it almost gave a feel like the uh, Muppet musicians of Bremen. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but the out in the swamp, you know, having kind of a uh, a log cabin out in the middle of the swamp down in Louisiana or something mm-hmm. like that. The, the inside, it kind of gives you almost like if there was a little bit wealthier group living in the log cabin in the swamp right <laughs> down in Louisiana mm-hmm. because they had things in in there, but there was. He's living underneath the floorboards, you know, uh, Nagi is the, the buddy relationship. And, um, although I got to say, man, Francesco was kind of a douche. He was really rude to him. Like the whole time. He's like, you're not cute. Yeah. You're not cute. And it didn't seem like it was really playful. Like he really didn't care for him in a way. That's kind of how I felt at first. So I was pleasantly surprised. He took it for granted. He took it for granted. And at the end, you know, the way that that kind of played itself out toward the end. Uh, and what he said about their friendship, actually. Yeah, um, that he was his best friend. He was mm-hmm. his best friend. And that he didn't know. They basically, I didn't know until now. Um, and and the idea that, you know, you're you're shooting, you're shooting zombies, man. You're shooting them in the head. And so everything gives you a feel like there's nothing really hidden. You kind of know what you're in for pretty quickly. And it stays true to that. And then it kind of goes, like, off the rails. And I felt like, in a good, to me... <laughs> I can see I can see people being frustrated by that and being like, oh, I don't there was no cohesion to it. It seemed like, you know, it was kind of all over the map. But I actually really I enjoyed it. But it it kept making me wish that it was a TV show and that it was something because I felt like it was almost like Buffy. If that and I mean, this is a compliment. I actually enjoy that show. And so I know people might be like, really? But no, I I think that it's a lot like that. And you could make these characters almost like that. And I liked that there was somebody who described it. I'll scroll down here. There was one of the critics who was saying that basically it's it's like in three parts. See, I've got my notes right here. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. Hey, that's, that's smart, man. That's better than me scrolling around. Yeah. Realviews.net said Cemetery Man is loosely divided into three episodes. And I felt like interesting choice of words because I felt like it's, it's kind of a play on it in one way. Um, it, it really did feel a little bit almost like three episodes. 
dude, it was fun though. I mean, it was, I knew, I knew right away it was going to be fun. I knew it was going to be crazy. I knew that there was going to be, you know, murder, but it took me by surprise in a lot of ways. And I feel that it's a lot deeper um, on a philosophical scale to do with death and mortality and, and, love. and love. Yes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, hear, hear me out on this. This might sound a little uh, strange, but I thought uh, the whole thing was very uh, Shakespearean because, I mean, you, ha- you have tragedy after tragedy with love as the central theme. Both Nagi and Del Morte are desperate for love. Nagi falls in love with a um, a young girl. She dies. Then her head falls in love with him. But then Del Morte kills the head, and then and then Del Morte falls in love with a, a girl, mistakenly kills her, then kills her again. Um, yeah. Then falls in love with another car- incarnation of her, and and then takes steps to make sure that he's impotent uh, because she has a phobia of being penetrated basically. And then, and then she gets raped and decides that she likes sex. So doesn't want to marry him anymore. And he's screwed. It's She wants to marry her rapist. Knowing that, that now uh, Del Morte claims to be, you know, impotent and took these measures. And it reminded me of all of that stuff, all of those, all of the like, the deaths and falling in love and then death falling in love and death and taking um, such measures like the injection that the, that the guy took when he actually was going to have it cut off and then have it, it rem- that, that part in particular reminded me of Ro- the end of Romeo and Juliet, you know, th- with the whole poison thing. And it's like, Oh, yeah. it screwed up. So to me, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to like look at kind of the bigger picture instead of just like, well, this is a zombie movie, it felt like Shakespeare to me. Not not in the sense that, I mean, it's a low budget film and it's, you know, there's a lot of silliness in it. But um, the laughs are in the right places. This isn't one of those bad yeah. movies where it's like you're laughing at stuff that the director didn't want you to laugh at. It's, yeah. it's a well, well executed low budget movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's when they were still making movies that look like movies, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff now that looks just looks too video versus that looks like it's film. And some of the scenes, I mean, they're really, you know, they're really rich, you know, like the catacomb, catacomby kind of scenes where it's, you know, all mm-hmm. the skeletons all around. And uh, yeah, which is a real, which was a real place, I guess, like that, that uh, ossuary or whatever they call it yeah. is, was like a real, that was a real one. I don't know if the skeletons inside were real. But uh, it was a real. They got that, that junk over there, there though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got some macabre stuff over there. If if I didn't know any better, if I didn't know this is an Italian film, I would have swore that it was New Zealand because it reminded me of the, the even especially the humor reminded me of like Dead Alive or Bad Taste. Yeah, it reminded that, me of New Zealand a lot. Even some of the camera stuff. Rem- yeah. Peter Jackson with with those early films like Dead Alive, I feel like he was kind of copying Sam Raimi in Sam Raimi's early stuff, like the zooming close-ups and like way, almost way, way too close up. I like the, the motif of wind, you know, that you're talking about mortality, right? You're talking about life. It's pretty dark, by the way, on that. (laughs) It's a pretty dark movie when it comes to, to like the meaning of life. What are we here for? Mm -hmm. Um, That we're just born to die, that that's just all it is. If there's no like in that world, there's no concept of hope, right? Or even like what's outside of that, 
of mm -hmm. that little world that it's just imaginary and you come to the end of the road and you realize that maybe, yeah, it, 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 that's an existential moment, you know, at the end, coming to the little end of the road through the light at the tunnel, you know, so you're going through the tunnel and there's a bright light. And next thing you know, you're there and it's the end of the road. It's a massive mm -hmm. cliff. And he, you know, he's, he's been right all the time, but the, the wind that, you know, there were so many things blowing in the wind, ranging from the head covering that she had, the mantilla, to um, silk dresses, to the drapes inside of the, the city building where all of the uh, papers and folders were kind of wrapped up so that it wouldn't fly all over the place. Mm -hmm. And his buddy was looking for a paper. Well, that, that blind, man, that wind coming through was huge. The leaves, uh, the leaves that were blowing all over the place, which ended up being a really cool line about the buddy, you know, about uh, Nagi throwing himself onto the leaves and that he really cared about that. And he mm -hmm. hated to see them blown away. And I think even that's an image of life and friends. I don't think that it's just simply that he loves the leaves, that there's a, a, you know, a concept of yeah. he's a simpleton. There's very few things that he's got. And when he sees these things blowing away, he'll throw himself on it to, to keep them. And there was a really cool scene and, you know, some people may have missed it, but I felt like um, they did a good job, too, with the the funeral, the Catholic funeral. And they had a thoroughfare, dude. I don't know if you noticed that. They had a thoroughfare. That's the one with the, the thoroughfare. That's the incense. I'm a thoroughfare, man, at the oh, Latin okay. Mass. And so, like, it's I carry the incense, right, the thoroughfare. And the incense is coming up. It's a, a metal uh, uh, incense container. And you yeah. kind of mm -hmm. swing it and stuff. And they had that in the the procession in the beginning which is hilarious to see the picture of the husband by the way the absurdity of that <laughs> right and she's talking about how he's this amazing lover and stuff but the the scene um in his <laughs> face dude i was like it was so great man that face that he had i'm like what so there had to be laughs with that but there's a scene where it's it's kind of the the corpse eye view right so it's down inside of uh the hole in the ground and the priest is, is they're getting ready to throw in the dirt and the priest turns and you have the rope that is around his waist. And it may, there's like a sound of like almost a whip going through the air. And his that that uh, rope is swinging kind of pretty far over. I mean, you'd have to intentionally turn pretty hard to get that to do that. Um, but it was just so the, the director, if that was done on purpose, and it would almost have to be. That if the director did that on purpose, it was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it looked so cool because it's it, it ends up being in slow motion kind of. And it goes like... And it makes this noise, kind of a whip sound. And it was just little things like that, man. And to see wind throughout the whole thing and how that plays into the idea of time is passing. The idea of vanity. Um, the idea of death. And, you know, it, it's here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. And I just, hmm. it was awesome, actually. You know, I, according to the director, I read a little bit of trivia on this. The What was bringing to life the, the, the people was... Man, mandragola roots those roots that that you saw like attached to them and in their graves that's apparently how they were coming to life was that interesting yeah because it was weird how they would you know after rising seven days after they were buried they that they had that stuff growing out of them and it was kind of like uh like those fool cheap zombies that have the you know the yeah germs and the maggots and whatnot you know coming mm -hmm. out it was yeah uh, Jeremiah used the word uh, uh, when you were describing the uh, the guy's picture, like absurd. 
Yeah, the most absurd scene yeah. that I thought was that Mayer showed up to try to get publicity and sympathy by digging up his daughter and showing her yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the ground. It's just, uh, I mean, it, clearly it was a, a way of just showing the uh, desperation that someone in, in uh, politics can have to, to garner, you know, votes or or. Yeah, someone's sympathy or something for, but yeah, to like, <laughs> that was hilarious, man. That dude, that whole scene is ridiculous. I mean, you know, yeah, the girl gets puked on. She wants to buy Nagi, and she's calling him it, like he's an object, mm-hmm. and he ends up puking on her. And then that motorcycle dude comes up right at that moment, and that motorcycle gang is hilarious. Like the fact that they even are there, you know what I mean, with their yeah. leather jackets and stuff. And he just, he just rolls up and she's like, let's get out of here with all the puke on her and stuff. And the dad doesn't care. He's like, whatever. So, you know, they go off and everything. And, and then they end up uh, getting run over by a truck full of Boy Scouts that were mm-hmm. there with nuns. Right. So like a Catholic, a Catholic church with a bunch of Boy Scouts in a bus and they, they get run over, which is a hilarious scene where like crushing the skull of these. It shows that like. The body, like, like getting smushed, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad. And then the bus goes flying over the cliff, and that bugger's dead, too. So now the funeral is massive. Um, and it was it was crazy because, I don't know if it's the mom or the dad, but it's like, she died even on the eve of the elections. How could you do this to me? It was the mayor. And he's like, how mm. could you do this to me? <laughs> but yeah. He was even concerned at her funeral over over the fact that it wasn't really that she's dead, but that it was on the eve of an election and, you know, how could she do that to him mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And so then he goes later. So it'd be kind of a little unsurprising that he's going to go, you know, he's obviously a clown. He's going to go and try to drum up some votes by saying, you know, I, I too can relate, you know, I, I too had a child that died in this yeah. and you can relate to me and that will help with the votes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the willingness of the whole group to say, you want to take a picture from the chest down because her head's gone. Yeah. You know, and the whole dude, it was just, but, but yet in each and every one of those absurd scenarios, it was actually smart because all of it wasn't just like, there's random comedy that just, you know, it's, it's funny because it's just so random and we might be able to kind of relate to something like that. But even just the absurdity of that and how ridiculous mm-hmm. it is makes it kind of funny. Mm-hmm. This wasn't just how ridiculous it was, but that it really did make fun of something that we all kind of know in almost everybody involved true to the actual character um and true to the actual scenario to say these are things absurd things about life that we take very very seriously and yet even those really things that we take very seriously sometimes are absurd the humor in this movie is so dry and subtle and i that's one of the reasons why i like it so much is is I think if you're expecting or if you're used to like physical comedy or more in your face comedy, you might not really pick up on, on some of the humor in this, like the, like the cop, the, the worst cop ever, the detective guy, the worst detective ever. <laughs> it's like, even when that guy, he's like, good, you've got a gun. Like he just yeah. killed all those people. And he's like, good, you've got a gun. There's yeah. a guy here that's killing people. <laughs> you're going to need <laughs> a protection. It's like, Wow. That, that guy just doesn't have a clue. He's he's got this guy by the balls every all the time with yeah. you know evidence and stuff, and he's just not putting it together. What do you guys make of of, of the end where uh, Delamorte says that the rest of the world doesn't exist, and then and then yeah. minutes later it shows them inside the snow you know, globe. It's one of the 
I mean, I don't know. There's some, some of these movies that get a little bit too, too deep for my simple brain, but there's the, there's the scene where Della Morte, he's killed everybody in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then the camera goes up and, and they show like those screens mm-hmm. surrounding the bed. So it's almost like it's, you're looking at it from this whole, whole yeah. view and it's, it's something different. And then they show them at the end where they're in that snow. Globe. Mm-hmm. Like, does that mean that it wasn't like a real, that it was like, thing or yeah, something? I know what you're saying. Cause when he, before they did the bird's eye view thing, I noticed that he was shooting these people, but the, you could see the, the part of the ceiling and the wall around them. And it, I was like, are they doing this on purpose? Is this supposed to be like, not real? is this supposed to represent like a dream state or something? Because it, it didn't look like you're, it looked strange. Yeah. And, and so, the, yeah, when bird's eye view, we turn it on. Snow globe, there it's kind of crappy. I mean, it's like not a really a very, yeah. Effect. You know, there's just kind of like these figures. Yeah. It's not very good snow globe. So it's not even like they tried to do a, a proper representation. I don't know. <laughs> You yeah, know, that's, I where, thought, that's where it gets to be too. To you know, some of these movies get there's whatever some underlying you know philosophical you know. Mm-hmm. I thought you know the when I saw that when I saw the the world as it's coming up and everything and it's it's blank everything's black around him right and he's in this absurd scenario shooting people down, um just taking it to the extreme. Like even even really ridiculous things. Although somebody somebody didn't believe him because he eventually he said you know oh it was a, it was a quarrel between the doctor and the nurse because or the nun because at first he shoots the nun and then the doctor comes in and he's like what is she doing he's like she's praying and he just believed him like she would be praying on the ground like that you know and he just turned on blam and shoots the shoots the doctor and then this this other nurse comes in and wonders what's happening and he said that it was a quarrel between the two of them. And and she's like, what? And he goes, you don't believe me? And she goes, no, like this. And he goes, boo, and he shoots her. And he's wanting to know, like, why are you taking my crime away from me? Like, what 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 did I do? You like, why are you taking even these small things? You know, my life's pretty insignificant kind of thing. This is mine, right? Which is absurd that you want, like, I want the responsibility for these crimes. Um, And then when it pulls away and it shows that everything was black. I thought about it and I said, I think that that is, without wanting to get too fancy, uh, solipsism, that, that reality is in your brain and that there's no, there, nothing is real. And that's why there was multiple mentions throughout the film. Is there anything actually out there? Or is, are, is this all there is? And in fact, you know, because he, he was asked on the phone, what, you know, would you want to travel the world? And what, do you, what can you imagine it's like? And he basically, his answer was basically that, I don't even know if it exists. In other words, like, does does outside your door exist right now? You know, that's kind of like what that's asking. And it's saying that in the world he's inhabiting, from his perspective, he's surrounded by people and there's, you know, different buildings and cars and roads. But if you take the bird's eye view of that, it would be as if he's in a black void and the only thing that is existing is whatever is in that moment in his mind. That it is... It's him. Like, this is almost like everything. The monsters, the death, the women, everything is like 
his, his betrayal, his dislike for a friend, and then his, you know, realizing he'd actually cared about him the whole time. All of that is him, if that makes sense. So I kind of wondered that, you know, and like, as I said, at the very, very end, when he, when he goes and he's at the end of everything and he, and he sees it, he goes, I should have known it. The rest of the world doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. In the, the thing you guys brought up, the snow globe, the very first thing I thought when I saw the snow globe is I thought anytime you flip something that's like a snow globe or an hourglass, it's the idea of you're repeating the same thing. It's cyclical. You know, it goes and then it drops all down and then you got to do it again and it does the same thing and then you do it again and it's the same thing. And in a world like this, um, it, where it's vanity, where it doesn't mean anything, where it's just in your brain, I felt like that was a, a really great symbol to use. And so in the end, to see that, I thought this is actually the guy who made this is pretty smart to use that. I thought that was a, a really clever device that helped to build on the idea of everything just repeating, everything being vanity. And you can tell the vanity by the end when, like you said, man, the, the cop who's like, oh, you've got a gun. It's, you know, great. You can defend yourself. And it's all pointing to him. And he's realizing everybody's insane. He's literally screaming at the top of his lungs that he's the one who did it. And by the time he did it, everyone was gone. This could go so much deeper than just like a, a, you know, a zombie comedy horror film. And when I think about all of the, you know, the, the lack of explanation of the, the zombies and why they're even coming to life in the first place and the three incarnations of the same girl, you know, being repeated and falling in love with each of them but not being able to have, have them for different reasons. I think that it, it probably does go deeper than your average viewer you know, would be able to really interpret. But I, I have a theory, and it might be a little outlandish for the end, you know, that if um, the tunnel represented, uh, you know, because even death itself is in the, the film, as like, the, you know, the, like the Grim Reaper. Um, you know, when you ask them to, you know, stop killing people essentially the 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 kill the living yeah essentially the guy who um who's supposed to be the protagonist the guy that keeps falling delamorte he start he starts killing people he kills seven you know people bullies but he's not a good guy like you said he's not he wasn't that good to nagi and he doesn't seem to have any kind of reservation about uh you know really harming anyone else even when he Killed that chick on the motorcycle. He was like, "Oh, let's bury her." It was it wasn't like a real big deal. So I'm wondering if by the end, if the 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 tunnel represented death, and that the light represented you know the light at the end of the tunnel, um, like the afterlife, and that he stopped, and that because at the very end, Nagi can talk and Delamorte can't anymore. Delamorte, the only word that comes out of his mouth is the one that Nagi says, the only word that Nagi says throughout the whole movie. So they've completely switched spots. And I wonder if that is somehow supposed to represent um, maybe Delamorte is like going to hell now and this is his life, where the innocent kind of, you know, simpleton who, who was a good guy, um, he's he's going to the light or heaven or, or or you know whatever and and it's shown through the fact that they have kind of switched places 
And now Del Morte has this bane that Nagi had with the, you know, not being able to speak. And now, plus Nagi says, um, take me home. You know, will you yeah. take me home? So that could be pushing, that could be trying to, you know, reach too far. But I, I don't understand like the, that switch at the end and the choice of words. I'm not pretending to have the answer, but this is what I took away is that it's not resurrection, it's reincarnation. Um, yeah. Because it's cyclical, it repeats itself. And so it's you're trapped inside this thing that keeps on going. So more can, like a uh, like a um, uh, Buddhist thing, I guess. It would be you know, like a like Del Morte like was a bad person. Religions, so, yeah. So that, now he's not speaking, you know. Whereas uh, Nagi was, so he's getting. I mean, isn't that part of their? You know, you're, you're supposed to um, attain Zen, right? Yeah, and then you you the, the better you are the when you reincarnate reincarnated you end up being something better yeah there were some views that would say that that would and that's where i was going with it was was based on the views that would say that um you know that if you're doing something that as you're striving when you're reincarnated you're continuing kind of a course in a way Mm -hmm. right and that you're bettering yourself and it kind of is reflecting a, a kind of advancement to the point where you would eventually reach this this place mm-hmm. right of, of perfection or zen right which in in the end is really nothingness by the way nirvana yeah. uh this this sense of you know that you've reached a place of nothingness um not desiring even um mm-hmm. and so to to see him and not complain and you can see, I think, an embodiment of that with with Nagi. Um, you can see that in the scene where he's eating ice cream with headphones in and he's watching war. And yet he's quite obviously content. And mm-hmm. he's just kind of just enjoying himself with whatever he's listening to. There, There's war on the screen. There's war with zombies all around him. Shots firing everywhere. One zombie lands on him and he pushes it off. And it wasn't until the, the screen was shot that he actually had any kind of concern. That it was like the simple things, you know, and that he was kind throughout and tolerant of the guy who's constantly ripping on him and the guy who had the women, multiple women, the guy who had control. He was the carrier of the gun, mm-hmm. you know, it's so like he had all of this you know, power and control that in the end, uh, he ended up being the one who was consigned to a lower place. And where were they going? They were going back to home, which is, mm-hmm. again, that's the flip of the, the hourglass, the flip of the snow globe. And so it's it's going to do this cycle again. But now Nagi's going to be in a place where at least he's able to talk. But did you, did you catch, Blaine? Did you, like, Nagi was putting together that skull. Mm-hmm. And he was hiding, wasn't he? I mean, like, do you think... Yeah. Like, he, Did he, he put know it together. how to do more, do you think? Like, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, putting the skull together. That was right after he uh, dug up the head. Yeah, he, he put it together pretty quickly, too. Like I said, you're reading way too more, more into it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it was a good movie. I'm just glad yeah. you had me watch, man. After my brain, my brain reels, I watch this kind of thing. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing symbols and metaphors and motifs. And I'm just like, man. I didn't expect it. And that's why, like, I'm really grateful, man, that you picked this because I'm just kind of sitting there thinking, like, I wasn't expecting that. And that is the one thing I, I so I kind of lied a little bit. I didn't lie. I've learned something along the way, you guys. 
And that is that, you know, I said when I first watched it, you knew what you were in for. And the truth is, I don't I think that a person who wants to really think about this. And I, I looked up different reviews and stuff and I didn't see I saw one that kind of gave a hint that there was more there. And it was about the love stuff. And so, I mean, that's like, you know, this may actually be the most in detailed analysis of the film on the Internet. <laughs> once once this video goes out, people will be like, whoa, really? These guys really went there. He, he also at one point did uh, say he was wondering if if this was happening other places or if this was the only place mm-hmm. this was happening where that, you know, these people yeah. back after seven days. So that might have been, you know, that might play into the whole thing at the end that, you know, I don't, was it real or what we you know. You can you can think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that makes it cool, man. I think, you know, and this, this is so far out of left field. Yeah, I mean, like like Chad said, I mean, Chad is a, a connoisseur. I mean, he's like, you know, <laughs> this is his world. And he's like, you know, when, when we talked about it, he said, man, I haven't seen this in a long time. I mean, it's like, you know, and so we were really just surprised about it. And uh, I think, aren't I the one that picked it, though, Chad? Out of the three? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I just, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, you know, um, I didn't watch any previous. He just described them. And so I went through and, and, you know, thought about it and said, okay, let's do this. We, we I, picked the least rapey one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Syndrome is kind of rapey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this had some skin though. And I wrote, I, I wrote down the, the timestamps. We'll put them in the description <laughs> like on YouTube so parents can be like, yeah, we can skip over that. You know what I mean? Deathgasm is that total, you know, New Zealand, Australian, you know. Yeah. I haven't seen that either. I, I think I saw like the first 20 minutes and then it was one of those things where I was like, I'll, I'll finish it tomorrow. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, that's right. I started this like a year ago and I never, I never went back to it. Yeah. For all we know, the director could be like uh where the writer could be like, wow, you guys, yeah, no, you're way off. You are reading way too much into this. Yeah. Because it's certainly possible to create art and not have some kind of extra uh, deep meaning. But but there are some things I, like that. The, what was his name? Frank? I thought it was a strange character because he played a big role at the end, but he wasn't very, they didn't establish him very well as a character and what his role really was. So when that came at the end, it's like, where he killed his family and then tried to kill himself. It's like, what, what, you know, I didn't even know who the guy was at first. And then I was like, Oh, that's his, his friend. But I I think that it was done intelligently enough to have some kind of reason for like the three incarnations of, of the same girl and, and things like that. And then the end, but I don't know what it means. Maybe I should dig on YouTube and see what other people are saying. If, if there's other videos on there. Maybe there's a Blu-ray with a commentary. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that, actually. What what do you give it, Jeremiah? I enjoyed it. I think that, you know, and and this is is one of those that I can imagine people being like, dude, dude, no. You know, I can imagine it being like a love-hate relationship. Or Mm -hmm. that you're either on one of two sides of this. That someone can say, because it is repetitive. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of repetition, but I think that for a person, you know, who either just simply likes that kind of, you know, that kind of gore, that kind of humor and stuff like that, perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And I think for a, for a person who wants to think deeply about it, that is essential to have it being repetitive if, in fact, the theme is that it's cyclical and it's just vanity, mm-hmm. it just repeats. 
So I, I feel that to me, uh, B to a B plus. Um, and I, I don't know if I would, you know, if somebody came up and said, Hey, should I see this movie? I'd be selective because I'd kind of, but I also wouldn't want to let somebody down and say, don't watch it. I'd almost rather say to, to watch it and tell me you didn't like it than to not watch it and then find out later that you enjoyed it and be like, yo, bro, why'd you tell me? You know, you know, so I would say fall on that side of things, man. You know, um, and if you're if you're one of those people who are sensitive to issues like nudity, you know, we'll make sure to share the timestamps because <laughs> there, there's a couple scenes in there, you know, a beautiful lady ain't gonna lie. I mean, that's the thing <laughs> kind of goes on with that. But um, but yeah, man, B, I, I'd give it a B to a B plus and I'm favoring the B plus because it just it was yeah. cool, man. And it's smart and it's it's a movie that I actually want to think about more like it's a movie that. I want to try to go back and maybe see, you know, my my theories that I've got and kind of see how they play out if I watch it again because it, and it's, it would be easy to watch again because it actually is just fun too, and mm-hmm. the characters are um, in, insane but also relatable in the situations you know like throwing yourself at different people you know and getting involved in these relationships and and think you know willing to sacrifice even to insane degrees in order to get love and keep a hold of that um, mm-hmm. and finding yourself in precarious situations and buddies that you may have taken for granted that later on you wish you didn't. It just, there's so many themes in there about that are just true to actual normal life that I feel that it's gotten a bad rap to only have like a, it's like a 6.2 or something like that, which isn't the worst score in the world, by the way. I mean, I can, it, you know, there are a lot of other movies on IMDb that it would be worse than that. Um, but I feel like it's a little shady to <laughs> give him that that score. But that's just me. That's just my take, my personal take. What about you, Chad? What do you think? Man? Well, so we're doing letter grades now, and not. I no. I that was just the rating that I saw somebody do. So okay. I that. okay. Okay. You know, and you're getting into like these astronomical decimal points. I mean, no, 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 no. Talking no, like no. high level stuff. <laughs> no, I, I I give it four stars. I I like it. I, it's not something that. If somebody said, hey, I'm looking for a good zombie movie, do you have one in mind? To me, it's not really a zombie movie because I know they're, they want to see... I mean, there's plenty of like flesh pulling, you know? So I, I, it is a zombie movie, but there, it's so much more than that. Um, but I like it. I, I, I remember liking it before when I watched it with my dad, and uh, I still like it. I'm glad to see that it, that it holds up. I didn't think about it back then deeply. Most of the movies I watched with him, we were pretty stoned anyway. But I don't. I, but I didn't think about it very deeply, and uh, this time I did. So I, I looked at it differently. Last time I just saw humor, tits, zombies, and this time, <laughs> <laughs> this time I, I, I yeah. see a little bit yeah, more yeah. than that. What about yourself, Blaine? Do you have some kind of like a, yeah, like a, a on a scale of one to five? They give it a strong four. Yeah, yeah, five. Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah, very, very few movies reach five. But I'll, you know, yeah. I'll, the, I, they're not really zombies. They're more like it, more like demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, 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 I think, and uh, I, I'd, I'd recommend the movie for anybody that likes to watch that kind of stuff. I can, I can think of a lot of other things that I've watched that um, are far less captivating. Uh, yeah, and I didn't know, you know, when I once I, you know, like after I realize it came out in 1994 instead of 1985. Um, you know, I guess it was supposed to be mildly comedic. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I dug it. I thought it was, you know. I'm with you, man. Yeah. I thought it was in the 80s. When you said that, I'm glad you said that because I probably I would have probably forgotten. But when I first saw it, I was thinking like it had that feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had a look and a feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure when I couldn't remember what year I saw it, but once I started hearing the music, it felt more early nineties to me. I thought it was earlier than ninety-four, like maybe ninety, ninety-one. But it, a word about that soundtrack. I like the soundtrack too. And they kept playing this part of a song like over and over again. Particularly during like any motorcycle scene, I think they were playing this song and I was like, Man, I know that. I know that song. What is that? Because I think there was only a couple songs they were playing other than what what what, what was it? Um the song that's in it, it's Beethoven. Um but they were they were playing a different part of a Beethoven song that isn't I think it's the same one that's in one of the Beethoven songs that's in Clockwork Orange. But um the uh the song I found I found out what the song is. It's it's an instrumental part of um, an Ozzy song called Hellraiser. I knew I'd heard it before. It's actually so was, it's actually part of the song. Like they actually, yeah. Wow. But when you hear it in the you, when you hear it in the thing, I was shocked when I I realized once I saw that it was the Ozzy song. I was like, oh, that's right. But when when I was like, I've heard this before. I was not thinking Ozzy at all. I wasn't because it doesn't sound like just the little bits that they're using. Um. And they kept using this part, and it made it sound cool. And yeah, it's an Ozzy song. Lemmy also did that song too. I don't know who wrote it, but they both recorded it from Motorhead. I don't know if Motorhead did it or just Lemmy. I can't remember. But, but yeah, so so Jeremiah. Yes. I you know we've talked deeply about the movie. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to think about. Some yeah. of it maybe overthinking. But <laughs> probably a lot of it, man. I think the Blaine, yeah, his, his smile is like these these cats here. It was all the absinthe, man. We, we in between the shows, we're just chugging absinthe, and Blaine's lighting it on fire. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I have gone downstairs. So I know you. This yeah. movie has pushed you into the illumination cave, yes, where you've thought about, um, you know, lessons that you may have learned. Uh, you know, maybe even some new morals that you've come up with, but, but can you share any of that with us? What you've maybe learned? You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was deep dude. And I, I obviously was looking into it very deeply and it was making me, you know, it's kind of just reminding me, you know, of things that I've gone through, you know, there was a scene. What, what, what do you call it, that? The, the area that they went into and it had the cross and the lights coming through and there's water and stuff. That's the way. Ostrary. Um, you know, Sometimes, you know, I may have found myself in a similar place, uh, but you go and you follow her because you're willing to, you know, go to many lengths to, you know, do the thing. And so you go inside and everything starts getting creepy and she's smelling stuff just like the movie, smelling it, you know, touching skulls and talking about them, wanting to, her to do things. And she's like, I got to go. And the clothes are ripping off and I'm watching the whole thing. And as I was watching this, and it's bringing back these memories and, and causing them fresh again in my mind, I said, dude, you have to remember to give her her outfit because you don't want her crazy ass coming back. <laughs> Trust me, I did the same thing, distracted by everything, the jiggles, and watched her go out the door, and her butt came back the next day needing her top. And trust me, she's not the kind of person you want to rob. <laughs> Okay, good lesson. Good lesson. <laughs> what about you, man? What'd you learn, buddy? 
Uh, I, I, you know, I've been with my wife for 29 and a half years and for any long-term relationship like that, uh, those first few years, uh, they're full of, you know, wild sex and butterflies and 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 it's a great time. But when that starts to die down, there's this whole different type of love that feels, um, unconditional, uh, more selfless and, and sacrificial. And it's on a whole other level, but no matter how much I love my wife, I will never inject my junk so that it just <laughs> completely shuts down. Uh, that <laughs> level of love is something I just can't get behind. Uh, because um, while, I'm, while I may not use my equipment as much as I did back in the day, I still use it and I plan on it. So... Oh, and if you I, did, I dude, you would that. have to have like a lot of that kind of sedative and some kind of pain thing. Homeboy <laughs> didn't use any. He's like, I don't want any. <laughs> well, he was punishing himself for You're sure. You're taking it for the team on this, dude. Ah, oh, yeah, Blaine. And I, before we stop, man, last thing, last thing, Duke of the Delridge. What is? Explain what this is. Lord Zippy Blaine, the Duke of the Delridge. This is by far the coolest name. Of anybody who's come on the show ever, <laughs> like we've never had a name like this. That's kind of the neighborhood I live in. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the, the Del Ridge, and um, I don't know. I've just I self proclaim myself the, the Duke of the Del Ridge. I don't, you know. He's got an, another name on there that's not even the Wizard. It's not the even Wizard. on there. It, yeah. he's got he's got a long Zippy. I've got Lord mm-hmm. Zippy playing. You know the the one. You know bunch of different things i've gone through as i've done different you know different things over the years i'm sticking with lords if you blame the duke of the delwards that's gonna probably that'll be my one for from here on out maybe i don't know it's good one i still got quite a ways to go it has a ring to it yeah it has a ring to it sure and you kind of have the air man of like a duke you know what I mean? Like I can imagine, like back in the day, like you know, we were to transport back in time and stuff. You know, have a kind of that magic transport, you know, transport thing. That you'd be like, they'd be like Duke, uh, Duke of Delridge, and you're like, yes, it's it is I. <laughs> it is I. You know. so, do you have Do you have anything yeah. that that you that you have uh, coming out? I don't know if you can talk about the the one thing yet. This this episode will air probably in about uh, maybe three or four weeks. So I don't know if that if there's anything that. I, I, I just recently put out a, uh, a two record set um, from a band that I did that was kind of like right after the farts called 10 minute warning, um, which was kind of like the farts. And we, you know, kind of, kind of the same thing, a little bit different. I was in the band for about four months. Um, so I, I put out a, a two record set that kind of, kind of shows what it was like while, while I was in the band. Um, and then I, uh, I did a project where the music was written by um, a good friend of ours who, who passed away not too long ago, Steve Slayer Hippie Hanford. And uh, he uh, uh, put four songs together and that was released as a, uh, it's going to be released. The band is called uh, uh, dead end America DEA. And um, I'm one of the singers and um, uh, Nicole Laveri, who's a bass player for um, Queens of the stone age and um, a, a couple other things. He sings on one of the songs, and uh, Mike uh, Williams from um, I Hate God sings on one of the songs. And uh, that's a single. It's coming out um, at the end of this month, at the end of October. Um, got that going on. I'm going to sing a song on the new, uh, 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 I hope, Municipal Waste Record that's coming out. Nice. So I'm, 
you you can tell without them even saying it you can tell they're big fans of the accused it's so obvious and they're really you know nice you know that's a good thing the older you get the kind of one of the things that kind of changes with with some things about music is there's um people aren't quite as pretentious and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of ability you know a lot of friendship and uh um, you know good good vibes in there which is uh which i appreciate i'm i'm happy to be able to still be involved and do things because i you know i'm i don't consider myself a musician i'm not a great lyricist i don't really play an instrument um you know being able to do stuff is what you know is what what keeps me going you know did you did you um this is a little off topic but i just thought of a something did you ever think that the, with your style of singing that you'd have, ever be able to still do this in your fifties? No, not even. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like, yeah. When you listen to it and, and you, you think, okay, this, this came out in, you know, 81, 82 and this came out in 2020. It's, it's, um, it's kind of unbelievable that you can pull that off, man. And, and not just cause it sounds painful. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and I know that it, it can be, but for to be doing that that long and play that many shows and do that many records and in in that many practices and and still be pulling it off, yeah, I'm. It's impressive, man. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't have the, you know, I definitely don't have the voice that I once had. Um, it's a little different, but still, you're. It still sounds painful. Yeah. Have you ever have you been doing the Zen of screaming? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I don't, you know. She's I, a singing I, coach. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. You know, I just um, I I took voice lessons for about six months, um, back in like probably about 1986. That was more like a more like a kind of a, t- a tech technique type of a deal. Um, I don't know. I just I don't. It's just what I do. It it just it just comes out. Um, you know, there's there's whatever little technique that I have. Um, but, you know, I know that now. There's a whole, um, it's a whole thing, you know, the, the, the whole screaming and the way people do it. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an actual taught, learned sort of a thing versus what I did just kind of happened. And that's just, yeah. Yeah. And how can people, if they want to, if they want to follow you with your cooking and mm-hmm. with your boozing it up, <laughs> where can they go for <laughs> this, man? You know, where can they go to see this stuff? The wicker part. Yeah, our Facebook page is called uh, the Wicker Bar, and then uh, you know we have a, a Facebook page for uh, Toe Tag. Um, we we don't unfortunately have a, a Facebook page for the Accused AD. There is a, a fan group uh, for people that like the Accused. I think it's called the Accused, uh, the Lifeless Zone, something like that. People can find out stuff there, and uh, we have a website splatterrock.com if you want to throw some dollars our way we're still still trying to pay for tickets we we're supposed to play in puerto rico oh back in uh whenever that was i don't even remember now but yeah we're still i'm still trying to pay off pay off those tickets so yeah the band and yeah, we're still about fifteen hundred dollars in debt so i'm hoping to get oh, that debt off so we can be uh and we're writing new material so um yeah, we're hoping to be able to record, you know, end of the year, beginning of uh, 2021. And I would like to, you know, get that get that debt below a grand would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to uh, splatterrock.com and they got tons of merch there. Um, you still got records there, too. I know you got T-shirts and patches. 
they're, and they're all like ridiculously reasonably priced. Yeah. And um, so uh, yeah, go do that. And if you go to yeah, um, just search for like lifeless zone accused accused ad yeah. or whatever. And if you join that group, Blaine's always in there um, posting links for different things. So if you you know whether it be the website or the the wicker bar or something like that, so you can always get on that. Um, did you got any copies of the ten minute warning left? Oh yeah, I know it's only three hundred. Okay, I, I I bought one uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, I pre ordered the seven inch. Yeah, um, excited about that. So, yeah, go visit the website, yeah. check out the music, and anything with toe tag or accused ad that other than writing songs that that you can talk about that might be coming up. That's what there's really nothing. We can't really do anything else. I know we want, we're yeah. going to probably do another uh, uh, live stream here, you mm-hmm. know, great a couple of months. I don't really, I don't envision. I know things are different, you know, across, you know, the country, you know, I really don't envision any live stuff happening until spring. Yeah. Spring yeah. or summer, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I hope, I hope you guys are able to pay that debt and re, and get another record out there, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Even if we don't pay the debt, we'll <laughs> yeah. still do another record. Yeah. Great. Well, Jeremiah, how, how can they reach us? I guess just email yeah. us or whatever. Yeah. They can do that. It's super easy, super dupe. Anywhere you go, it doesn't matter. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Gmail. It's all the same. Paleo Cheese, P-A-L-E-O-C-H-E-E-Z. E or Z, <laughs> Z E, uh, and so you can just do it there. Okay, no matter where it goes, you can uh, follow us. And of course, we're on Acast. We're also on Spotify, and there's a whole bunch of different uh, different podcast platforms that we're on. And so check it out if you if you know and if and if you have a preferred platform and you can't find us, let us know, and we'll see maybe what it takes in order to get our stuff sent over there. And so. That's how they can do it, Chad. Yeah. I want to thank Blaine again for hanging out with us for two hours plus. Yes. And um, that meant a lot to me. It was great finally being able to, yeah, like actually kind of almost, you know, virtually uh, hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks again, man. And everybody, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. All right. Peace. Do you like horror movies? Do you like collecting things? Do you like collecting Blu-ray special editions of horror movies? Well then, The Horror Academic's Guide to Movies is the show for you. It's a web series where every month I pick one modern classic and determine which is the best version that I recommend that you should own. I talk a little bit about the history of the movie and in the end you get to see what films should be in your home collection of horror's modern classics. That's the Horror Academics Guide to Movies on YouTube every month and now part of the Project Entertainment Network.